We're finishing our series called Marks of Jesus. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark and uh, looking at encounters with Jesus and learning um, the, the sorts of things that Jesus wants to impart into our lives as he changes us from the inside out. And we come to, uh, uh, to the last in the series, and this is a, a really strange passage. And uh, this morning's uh, entitled The Curse of Fruitlessness. Uh, but actually, I want you to know right at the beginning that God's got something really good to say to us this morning. So we're going to look at a passage from Mark chapter 11, and uh, it, the words will come up behind me on the screen. I'm just going to read it, and you'll be able to follow it. This is what it says. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. A really provoking passage. Really provoking. Jesus speaks to trees. How bizarre. Speaks to trees. A fig tree. Well, when we uh, moved into our house, uh, when we moved from Hedgen and we came here, came to the church here, and um, uh, we were looking at houses, and uh, we, we looked at the house that we've, uh, we've now bought, and uh, as we uh, went to visit on the first occasion, the estate agent said to us, she said, this is a really lovely house, the garden's, uh, it's got really uh, small garden, but it's a really nice garden, and it's got a fig tree in the garden. And uh, it was sort of like, she, she told us as if it were a selling point. And um, so we looked at the house, we liked the house, Annie loved the house, and um, uh, we eventually bought it, and... Um, uh, the thing was, we've ne- I never found out which was the fig tree. In the first few years, I struggled to know, because there was no fruit on it. There was no figs. She said there was a fig tree in the garden. I always thought, oh, this is a nice house, because it's got a fig tree in the garden, but we never saw any figs. Anyway, um, uh, not so long ago, in fact, this, uh, over this summer, 
Annie had been doing some uh, gardening. She loves gardening. And uh, I came home one day. She said, oh, I've cut that tree down over there. And I said, I think that's the fig tree. I think you have cut down the fig tree. And over the summer, we had a fire pit, and I think we burnt the fig tree. (laughs) The problem was, you see, we never really knew whether it was a fig tree. We were told it was a fig tree. We thought it might be a fig tree, but it never bore any fruit. What do we do when we feel something is fruitless? I think we tend to do one of a couple of things. We either plough on regardless or we pull the plug. I've been involved in all sorts of ventures over the years, and I remember one where we uh, did a a big uh, mission, reach out into an estate in Southampton, and we were going to do it for four weeks, and and, uh, it didn't go very well at all. And in the end, we pulled the plug after a week. We went away frustrated and disappointed, we'd do it differently if we did it again. I remember growing up in Swansea, there was, uh, in fact, my stepfather used to do an open air outside St. Mary's Church in the center of Swansea, and uh, they would have a speaker, and they would uh, tell people about Jesus every Saturday. And I can honestly tell you, I thought it was fruitless. I would have pulled the plug long ago, but they kept on doing it Uh, week after week, week after week. But I want to tell you, I would have pulled the plug, but there came a period of about two years, 18 months, two years, where they saw someone respond to the gospel every week, at least one person every week. There were stories of chefs coming out of the hotel nearby and coming down and, and talking to my stepfather and saying, I want you to know that as you've been preaching about Jesus, I've had the windows open in the kitchen and I've been listening. And I want you to know that I've responded to Jesus and given my life to him. I would have pulled the plug a long time ago. I would have measured fruitfulness very differently. You see, we understand the dilemma, don't we? We want our lives to count and have significance. We want meaningful relationships. We long for fulfilling jobs. We dream of more than we're experiencing. And the word which sums up this longing is fruitfulness. We long for fruitfulness. We'd love to be fruitful in every area of our lives, wouldn't we? And yet most of us know that we fall far short of that. There are times when doing our best doesn't seem to achieve the results that we'd hoped for. In the Bible, lack of fruit is never viewed positively. And God wants to speak to us this morning. And if we're prepared to set aside some of our preconceived ideas and trust God, he promises to make us more and more fruitful. You see, at the beginning, I want to say this to you, that Jesus is serious about fruitfulness. In the passage we've just read, there are two stories that are unfolding together. They're interwoven. And in the first, Jesus is walking the two miles from Bethany to Jerusalem. He's hungry and he sees a fig tree in leaf in the distance. And he goes to see if it's got any fruit on it. Nothing in the narrative gives us any indication of what's about to unfold. You see, on finding the fig tree with no figs on it, he curses the tree. 
and it withers and dies. The philosopher Bertrand Russell wrote about this incident and he accused Jesus of vindictive fury. He found the incident outrageous. It was part of the reason he refused to believe in God. Today, Jesus would have had his membership of the Green Party rescinded after this incident, wouldn't he? He would have done. And the parallel story is about the religious heart of the nation, the outer court of the temple, the court of the Gentiles where everyone was able to come and worship God. The religious leaders had allowed businessmen to sell doves for sacrifices. The poor needed uh, sacrifices. So they come, they wouldn't, and they, they wouldn't have one. And so they, to, to, to acquire a dove, to buy a dove, there would be businessmen, there would be merchants, they're selling doves. And uh, they had to pay a temple tax in the shekel of the day. And so there would be money changers changing the currency of these people coming from different nations to worship God. But all the time they were taking a cut and they were making a profit. And religion had become a business. God's grace was nowhere to be seen. And Jesus was angry. They gave the appearance of being God's people. But on close examination, there was no fruit at all. And Jesus takes radical action. It's not the first time he's done it. The last time, he'd used a whip. We need to be clear. Jesus didn't curse the fig tree because he was hungry or he was being petulant. Equally, Jesus hadn't got out of bed the wrong side the day he cleared out the temple. He wasn't overreacting. Whilst Jesus was a man just like us, he was always completely God. He only ever did what he saw his father doing. He only ever said what he heard his father saying. It makes us feel uncomfortable. This is no gentle Jesus, meek and mild. See, it's too easy for us to make God in our image. To our consternation, God will not fit into our expectations. We may be created in his image, but he is completely unlike us. He is God and we are not. He is beyond our comprehension. Jesus cursed the fig tree and forcefully cleared the temple courts because God is serious about fruitfulness. His kingdom is an ever-expanding kingdom. We read in Daniel chapter 2 about a stone that symbolizes God's kingdom that's, uh, that is taken out of a ro- this, this rock. And this rock grows and increases and eventually destroys every other kingdom. And, and God is saying, my kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. God is about fruitfulness. You see, the explanation is simple. We were created for fruitfulness. God created trees to bear fruit. They were pleasing to the eye and good for food, we're told in Genesis chapter 2. God created us in his image with a command for us to be fruitful. The fig tree's primary purpose was to produce edible figs. In the Psalms, a godly man is described as being like a tree. 
And as well as this, some of the prophets used to use the fig tree as an analogy of the people of God. So what? Well, Mark is making the point that there's something personal and something corporate that we need to embrace. Jesus is speaking to us this morning. We are called and we've been created to have fruitful lives, to be fruitful. Jeremiah tells us that the man who trusts God, whose confidence is in him, will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. That's what God wants for our lives. What's for your life? What's for my life? He wants us to bear fruit. You see, our relationship with God is based on trust. God promises. We've been hearing some of God's wonderful promises to us this morning. God makes us rich and precious promises, and they're all we need for this life. We individually and as a church are created to be fruitful, but we can only live fruitful lives for God with his help. You see, what God sees as fruitfulness does not always look like success to us. There's a great difference between fruitfulness and success. You see, success is all about us and our strength and our ability. In fact, fruitfulness is about him. It's about our weakness and our frailty and our dependence on one who is strong and mighty and who enables us to do all that needs to be done. Henry Nguyen says this, We are called to be fruitful, not successful. Not productive, not accomplished. Success comes from strength, stress, and human effort. Fruitfulness comes from vulnerability and the admission of our own weakness. Do you feel weak this morning? Do you feel frail and fragile? You're in the right place. We need to humbly submit our lives to God. Have you done that? Jesus' expectation is that we will bear fruit. And if a tree is recognized by its fruit, so will Jesus' followers be recognized by the fruit of their lives. You see, we are sons of our Father. When we become followers of Jesus, we become sons of God. We inherit great and precious promises. We have a relationship with the Father in heaven through Jesus. And as a result of that, we bear our Father's resemblance. The proof of our new identity is the fruit that comes from a Christ-centered life. Paul said this, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that true of us? It's Christ at the very center of our life. We've been singing about it this morning. Our aim must be to bear fruit for God in everything that we do. 
whether it be in the way we think, in our attitudes, or in the things that we do. We want everything that we do to please God and bring Him honor. We can be fruitful by God working in us or by God working through us. Fruitfulness is not just about what you do. Fruitfulness is about who you are. God wants us to be people deeply rooted, knowing who we are in him. And as we know who we are in him, God works in us and through us and makes us fruitful. Jesus sums it up when he says this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So why then is that not always the case? Why is that not always our experience? Well, very simply, it's the curse of fruitlessness. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that Jesus was being harsh about the fig tree because Mark tells us that it wasn't the season for figs. It's not true. You see, on a fig tree, the twigs became tender or become tender and the leaves come out when summer is near. And at that point, the fig trees should produce early unripened figs which were edible. And uh, the poor people of the day, the workers in the fields, were able to come and pick these early unripened figs and they would eat them. And as the tree was in full leaf, Jesus was right to expect early fruit. He found nothing. The tree was full of leaves, but there was nothing. There was no evidence of any fruit. There was no evidence that there was going to be any fruit. The tree was only useful for firewood. And the fig tree mirrored God's people. The court of the Gentiles was where outsiders, those not part of the Jewish nation, anyone could come and draw near to God. God's plan has always been before Christ and after Christ that, that, that people would come to him from the nations of the earth. God is wanting all men and women to come to him and know him and know that he's a father. And God has made a way of grace for each and every one of us. And this way of grace was being lost underneath rituals and legalism in the court of the Gentiles. God's free and unmerited salvation was hidden from seekers. No wonder Jesus was angry. His father's glory was being marred. The place of grace had become about what I can get and was sadly where outsiders were being exploited God's salvation had become a business. What about us? Are we covering over the lack of God-given fruit in our lives? J.C. Ryle once said in his commentary, talking about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he said Adam and Eve tried to hide behind fig leaves. What he was saying was this, they were hiding their fruitlessness behind leaves just like the fig tree that we read about, just like the temple that we read about? What are we hiding our fruitlessness behind? Wealth? Busyness? Disappointment? We've heard lots about disappointment this, this morning. 
crushed hopes and dreams, health issues. I want you to know this. God created us for fruitfulness. He created us, his people, his church, for fruitfulness. As a church, we're committed to the grace of God. Everyone is welcome to come in. Anyone can come in and encounter the grace of God. The gospel is free. And we must ensure that we never add to the gospel or subtract from it. We mustn't be those who treat some sins as worse than others. We mustn't do it. It's not the gospel. We mustn't be those who subtract things away from the gospel. We live in a day where there's much being, we've been told that we shouldn't talk about certain things. Take their whole area of marriage. We've got a, a young couple uh, in the church. They've grown up in the church and they're getting married in a couple of weeks' time. Joe and Abby. And they've kept themselves for each other. And they're getting married in a few weeks' time. And they're going to make their vows before God. We live in a world which, which ridicules marriage, downplays marriage, says marriage isn't important. I want to tell you that when they make their vows, they are making them before God. And they're saying, God, we promise to one another we're going to do this. They're allowing God into the center of their, their marriage. And their marriage is going to be a fruitful marriage as a result of it. It's important. We're to be a church of grace. We don't add to the message of the gospel, but we don't take away from it either. Jesus cursed the fig tree. He prophesied that the temple worship was about to come to a devastating end. And within 30 or 40 years, it did. God was not going to allow his name to be dishonored and his grace to be trampled on by people pretending to represent him. Peter said it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. You know, that could leave us feeling fearful and anxious, terrified that God was going to whack us for our lack of fruit. I want to tell you that's not the case. There is always hope. There is fruitfulness through the cross. The only answer to our fruitlessness is the gospel. Jesus is the answer. Fruitfulness is only found in him. Jesus went to the cross for us. He took our pain, our disappointment, our sorrows, our weakness. He took the punishment for all that we've done wrong, what the the Bible calls sin. And on the cross, he bore the wrath of God that we might be forgiven, that we might enter into a relationship with his Father. He made a way for us to have a fruitful relationship with the God who created us, the God who made us, the God who formed us. At the cross, we find the answer for all we need. Jesus Christ died but rose from the dead. That is the gospel. And our lives are different as a result when we put our trust in him and what he's done for us. Everything changes. The door for fruitfulness in our lives opens. We can be all that we were created to be because Christ has opened the door. He enables us to live like this because his spirit comes and dwells within us and produces fruit in our lives. We've been singing about this morning. Have you been filled with the spirit? 
God wants you to be full of his spirit every day. If you're filled with the spirit, you will produce the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit, we're told in Galatians chapter 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We will exude those things because Christ dwells in us. This spirit is working through us. It will get outworked in our relationships with one another and our relationships with the community around us. We can't live like this in isolation. Fruitfulness is best seen in community. Just come, Annie and I have just been away on sabbatical and come back. And while we were away, we went to a church in Northern California in Reading called Bethel. And uh, on the, the Saturday while we were there, we decided we just got up. We were going to go for a drive, and we drove to the about five-hour drive to the northern Californian coast, and we went to see the Redwoods. And uh, when we got there, it's an amazing drive. But when you get there, there are these trees. These trees, they're 300, some of them are 350 feet tall. They're really close together, and there's a belt of these trees. They are massive. Some of them you can drive a car through. We sadly did it for $8. We drove a car through it. Money for old rope. But there, 20, there's, this, there's this road called the Avenue of the Giants, and you drive, dive, drive down this road, and these trees are enormous, enormous, and they're close together, and there's, there's, there's little undergrowth because these trees are massive, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, and they're on the, the, the coastline of California. And when the wind must blow in the, the, the winter, you wonder how they stand. When you hear that their roots are 6 to 12 feet deep. 6 to 12 feet. They're 350 feet high. 6. They're wider than their roots. 6 to 12 feet. There's no taproot. How on earth do they stand? And they've stood there for centuries. They stand because their roots go out wide. And all their roots are intertwined together. They stand or fall as a community. When we were in Bethel, I was listening to the guy who leads the church there, a guy called Bill Johnson. And uh, he was talking and and he was just talking about one of the guys that is alongside him, a very substantial guy in uh, the work out there, a guy called Chris Vallotton. And he said, he just said, it was a throwaway comment, and it was something like this. He said, Chris, um, uh, this guy used to be a, 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 a run a garage a pre, a, a previously, and he'd become a Christian, and, and he's now a leader in the church. And he said, Chris has said he's going to be with me, and, he, and what he meant was he's, he's going to be with me to the end. And then you see the people in the church, and they are, uh, they've, they've been together for years. They are substantial, gifted people in their own right. Their kids are coming through, and they're, they're with them. They're part of the work. You, just, you see this. It felt like it was like a community of these redwood trees that were knitted together with community, that were going to be together all their days. It didn't matter who was the biggest tree in the forest. It wasn't about who was the biggest and who was the best. It was about their commitment in Christ together. They were going to make a difference. 
When you hear the story of Billy Graham and Billy Graham's team, Billy Graham, you think Billy Graham is you know, the anointed man, but he had a really gifted team around him. They committed to live and die together. Billy Graham is in his 90s now, but they, these guys, they built houses. They lived around one another. They said, we're going to be together till the end. There, there's something about community living together. God has called us to be a community that are so meshed together. If you take one of these redwoods down, it affects loads of others. It weakens a huge trunk of the forest. God has called us to be a people committed to one another, full of his spirit. And we do that through the cross because we are committed to him. And as we're committed to him, we, that commitment to him is worked out with each other. Our fruitfulness should be evident to all. Jesus simply says the root of fruitfulness is to have faith in God. What we do and how we behave must be driven by our trust in God. Have faith in God. Some of you have heard me tell this story before, but where I come from in Swansea, there's, there was a Bible college. And the Bible College of, uh, of Wales in Swansea was there from the early, uh, the, turn, the, the turn of the uh, the 20th century, the early 1900s, and it was started by a guy called Rhys Howells, and he, there was a book written about him called Intercessor, which many of you won't have heard of, but some of you may have read. And the Bible College of Wales started, and outside the Bible College, there was a little sign on the wall, and I used to walk past it regularly, and the sign just said this, have faith in God. And it was there for years. And changes have come and gone, and, and now when you go past, that sign's no longer there. And I want to say that can be a little like our lives. There can be moments where we, we put our trust, we say, I've got faith, I, I'm trusting you, God. And then the years go by, and the busyness of life, and the pressures of work, and family, and, and slowly, it's as if the sign's gone. It's no longer there. There was a day when that would have been true, but... Not so much now. We're so caught up in so many other things. I want to say to you, today is a day to have faith in God. You see, faith involves believing God. The impossible is always possible to God. He wants us to exercise faith, trusting him, outworking that in the way that we live. We may feel that we don't have much faith. Jesus said it doesn't matter how much you've got. It's about what you do with what you've got and where you put it. If you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, Jesus said that's enough. If you've got faith in God, if you can trust him, if you can put your trust in him just in the smallest thing, you will find he is faithful and true. We need to exercise faith in these days. We need to be people who outwork our confidence in God. We don't need to be looking for things to do. We need to do what God's called us to do. There's a little bit in Nehemiah that Annie and I felt God has spoken to us about while we've been away. And it's this. It's in, the, in Nehemiah chapter, I think it's chapter 3, they're talking about they built, Nehemiah's building the wall. And uh, there's this little phrase that comes to us. They built the wall, set numbers of them built the wall in front of their house. Where they were living, that, that was the bit of wall that they needed to repair and build. 
God has called us as a people to build together. And we're always looking, we're, we're one, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that bit of the wall over there. Maybe I could, oh, I quite like to work on that tile. That looks quite good. Well, that looks quite important. No, no, no. God calls us to build the bit of a wall, the wall in front of us. What does that mean? Well, it means where you work. It means being fruitful where you work. Being Christ, full of Christ where you work in the workplace. Bringing Christ into the staff room. Being Christ into the canteen. Bringing Christ onto the workshop floor. It means bringing Christ, being Christ to your neighbours in the way you speak to them and you relate to them. It means being Christ in the area of ministry that you're involved in in church whatever that is. Build the wall in front of you. We so want, we're always looking for, oh God, maybe God's got something big for me. God wants you to be fruitful where you are. God gives us more as we're faithful in the little that he's given us. Let me encourage you. What's God, what bit of the wall has God called you to work on? What's the bit of the wall that's in front of you? God wants you to Work at it with all your heart, filled with the Spirit. You see, faith involves moving mountains, obstacles, problems. When there's a situation, we invite God into it. Maybe it'll be in work. Maybe it'll be with your neighbors. There'll be an opportunity when you can say, let me pray for you. I feel I've come back with a a confidence that God's with me. That when I pray for people that God is going to work in their lives. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about me being in him. And I believe that when I pray for people, God is going to do something. There's going to be a deposit of something. And it's not because I lead the church here. It's because of him. Because I'm in Christ. And he wants to do that with you. He wants you to, wherever you go, he wants you to have oily hands. Hands oily with his spirit so that when you pray for people and pray in situations, you leave a deposit. Do you remember when Angela Kem was with us? She talked about having salty lips. God wants us to make a difference wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And faith involves believing God and praying. We've got a season coming up through the autumn, where we're going to encourage, be encouraged and stirring ourselves to pray and seek God and believe that God is going to do far, but far more than we dreamed or imagined. We long to be fruitful, don't we? God created us for fruitfulness. It's not about success. It's about living in a way that honors him. It's about having him as the center of our lives. There is nothing more important than that. And if you've come this morning and and Jesus isn't the center of your life, let me say to you, there is nothing better than having him at the center. There is no one better than Jesus Christ. You can give your life to him today. You can put your trust in him. It's a simple step of faith. Let me encourage you to do that. Maybe you've come this morning and you feel like you're carrying those suitcases. It's time to 
Put it down. Why don't today, why don't you make a quality decision? Jesus, I'm going to give you this suitcase. Whatever it is, disappointments, difficulties, whatever it is, why don't you just make a quality decision? Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to draw strength from you. Jesus says that if we remain in him, we will bear fruit. He will be with us. Things may not work out the way we expect. It isn't, life doesn't turn out the way I wrote the script. I wouldn't write the script the way some things turn out. But what I will tell you is this. He is with us. And if he's with us, that is enough. He's enough. The answer is at the cross in Christ. We need to be people who receive the Spirit, be open to His Spirit. We need to be a people who commit to community, outworking this with one another. I feel so strongly that that's something from God. God wants us to be a community like that, knitted, meshed together, stand or fall together. And it's not about who's the biggest tree in the forest. Actually, it's our commitment to each other that makes the difference. God wants us to be a people who live by faith, building the wall that's in front of us. And as we do that, he will make us fruitful. That's good news, isn't it? I'm going to ask Lydia, the band, to come up, and we're going to just draw to a close as we finish. By the way, that van wasn't me and Annie. We went in that van. I don't know about you, but I, I just, you know, like sometimes we, we're very British. We don't like responding and we want to do it privately. And I just want to encourage you to respond to him this morning. Not to me, but to him. And uh, I'm just going to ask you, I mean, I, I think we probably all would want to stand at this moment. But if you know that you want to be more fruitful, you want to know fruitfulness in your life. If you know that you want to let go of some things this morning. I'm just going to ask you to stand and we're just going to just sing in response to him and ask him to come and be centre and fill us with his spirit. Come on, let's respond to him. So if you know that's you, you just want, God, I want to be more fruitful. I do. I want to be more fruitful. I'm here saying to you, I want to be more fruitful. (laughs) 